Hello and welcome to the Plant-Based Business Podcast. It's Damien Clarkson here, your host today. So this is going to be a bit of a weird episode. Obviously, we're in the midst of the coronavirus um, pandemic here in the UK and the government have been announcing measures daily that are pretty much putting us all in self-isolation for the time being. And this is having a massive impact on pretty much every vegan business we know and every plant-based entrepreneur it's incredibly tough times and both myself and Judy and the whole Evolution team just want to send everyone lots of love at this time and lots of support and anything we can do to you know help you please reach out to us and let us know um we're always here to talk I think um I just want to sort of acknowledge Louis Blake who's our co-host on this podcast who opened up in the house in Brighton this weekend and you know what a time to open a restaurant and I just know that Louis if anyone can get through this and come out the other side shining it's Louis so yeah good luck mate we're definitely thinking of you a lot at the moment and um yeah so anyone out there just hang tight and um try and stay positive hopefully this thing won't last forever and I think that's all we can really cling to at the moment and yeah that's that's (laughs) the intro today but the show must go on as they say so with that in mind, I recorded a podcast today with my friend Biff and Krista Bloomboros, founders of Biff Jack Shack. It was a wide-ranging conversation where we did discuss the impact of the coronavirus on plant-based businesses and how we all need to adapt to these extraordinary times we're living in. However, we did talk about other things like the importance of staying lean as a startup, adapting to change, how they built the Biff's brand around the iconic 80s and 90s culture that Biff loved growing up. We also discussed the importance of processes when building food startup. This is a great conversation and really enjoyable to take part in. And I'm, these guys are adapting and changing and I think they've achieved a great deal so far. So I think there's loads of value in here for entrepreneurs. Sit back and enjoy. Guys, thanks for joining the first virtual um, plant-based business podcast we've had to do in the wake of the the coronavirus outbreak so firstly how how are you guys faring uh we're okay on a personal level i think we're fine um you know everything every, families are fine everything everything's okay we're mostly self isolating as best we can as business owners um just for the sake of it more than anything uh, in terms of the business obviously that's that's a big hit on the hospitality industry as i'm sure everyone's feeling right now but we're doing the best we can to shift to delivery which we just launched mm-hmm. we were kind of planning on doing some more with delivery anyway and and lucky luckily that's been something that's sort of in our ammunition that we can kind of we sort of sped up the launch of that we've got five new delivery sites across london they're delivery only sites up on delivery at the moment and potentially other platforms soon but i think that's just that's kind of fortunate timing um i think with everyone else with everything else it's obviously moving day by day at the moment isn't it like yeah. it's obviously quite difficult so we're recording this on what was, what was it Tuesday, Tuesday. Today. and yeah so we don't know like what the government's doing because you know from a restaurant point of view government said we'll stay away but they're not telling people to close we've we've kind of been talking to other business owners I think everyone's trying to find strategies for this we have a few ideas and ways we can try and mitigate and obviously do the best that we can for our staff as well it's, I think that's obviously a really key thing to try and do at the moment yeah. so 
Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's good. I know. <laughs> I think that's a totally acceptable answer at the moment, not to know. And, and just going to the government thing, you know, it's, they're making this announcement saying, stay away from pubs, stay away from public places, stay away from restaurants. Um, I guess you're not feeling very supported at the moment. That That's probably... No, no, not really. No. And, and I've, I mean, the minute there's a, a lot of talk about the whole insurance thing because they haven't officially closed, then the people that have protection for that can't claim. So, you know, there's a lot of uproar in that respect. Um, I did hear that a few places have foregoed um, rates and rents and stuff like that. I read um, Camden Council, um, Camden Council uh, are saying that, you know, basically don't, don't pay us um, your rates for a short while. And I think it's, we just need, we obviously we can mobilise as, as a group and as a sector, um, but also individually, I think everyone needs to reach out to everyone that, that they owe money to, whether it's, you know, landlords, councils, suppliers, and, and we're all on the same boat. So it's really about opening that conversation and, and asking. Mm. I think I was saying to someone the other day that I think, you know, when someone like a Philip Green owned thing like BHS or Debenhams or HMV or someone like that, all these big retail chains, the first thing you hear they, what, that happens when they're facing trouble is we're going to our landlords, we're going to negotiate rent. And I think people have to be like, people have to be confident in that and you've got to do it in the right way. Um, but these are not unprecedented steps and I think people should feel um, empowered to do that. And, uh, you know, it, it's obviously difficult and it depends on the kind of size of landlord that you're working with, I guess, as well. Um, but if you're working with a good, like a big landlord, they should be able to deal with this, you would have thought. So, yeah, well, look, we're sending you all, all our best. And uh, this is a positive podcast where we're going to talk about your amazing journey today. But I just think, um, I think the points there are really important. We should be reaching out and everyone's in the same boat, whether you're a landlord, whether you're a supplier, whether you're a restaurant, you know, we're all facing the same unprecedented challenges. So I think that's a really great, great point of being adapting, moving fast and, um, and yeah, reaching out and just having that conversation because I, th- I think there's no harm in, in doing that. So let's talk about this track track. So you guys started back in 2017, is that right? Yes, we did, yeah. Um, well, actually, we, the business was formed in January 2017. We probably started doing product testing in, I'd say, November, October. So, yeah, a few months before that. Yeah, and I, I seem to remember, I just heard whispers about Biff's Jack Shack, and you've got to try Biff's. <laughs> it's incredible, it's incredible. And I seem to remember the first time I tried Biff's was at Curb in... Um, King's Cross, they did this summer market competition. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And uh, I just remember noticing the branding and the crazy neon glasses with the slits in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you do put this out as a video, you can be like, my face is in, like, my head is in my hands right now. <laughs> yeah, I was like standing next to him all weekend being like, what are you wearing? <laughs> that, that was insane, that event. The, the amount of people that were there just essentially to try some vegan food, it really... I think it was a pivotal moment in the London kind of evolution of veganism. We thought, okay, this is going to really start taking off. So, so tell us what was the inspiration behind Biff's Jack Shack at that, that point and um, tell us about the branding as well. I'm really interested in how you developed the Biff's brand. I'd say the inspiration is sitting right next to me. And I, I want to make a point of um, saying that I, I only went vegan like three three and a half years ago not not too much longer before we started doing the testing and everything and 
and um, we were together for you know four odd years before that where I wasn't vegan and um, one of the, I cite one of the reasons that I turned vegan was because Kristen never put pressure on me it wasn't about I am vegan I was vegan Kristen's been vegan, been vegan for 11 years and she never said oh you can't do this and you can't do that she basically just let me learn about it myself and I think that was the best way for me to convert because you just learn more you learn more you learn more you learn more and then you decide well you know I've learned so much now I, I need to make that decision um and at the time I, I made that decision to 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 go vegan but the reason I was eating meat and other dairy products out was because there wasn't a lot of choice even three three and a half four years ago there wasn't as way way little choice compared to now and so i would be completely vegan at home and then i'd go out and i'd be like oh, the, the vegetarian vegan options just aren't great value for money and they're not really sating that sort of thirst for comfort food and indulgence that i love and so i would i would choose a bad choice and um, and then it got to a point where i realized i just didn't want to choose bad choices anymore i wanted to make good choices and then and that's when i drew a line in the sand and went vegan and then realized that if i was going to you know if i was going to eat the food that i wanted to eat as good as i wanted to eat it before i was going to have to make it myself and and it was really that that was it it was it's a bit of a vanity project i mean i essentially <laughs> developed it for me to eat food it just so happens that everybody else likes it so um you know, it was a, a long process of trial and error with jackfruit and other other things and, and a lot of eating fried food in our kitchen for a while and um, getting friends over, testing, trying out new things. So it was, a, it was a long process. But when we really landed on that final product of a patty and wing, we knew it was too good to just keep in our kitchen. So. <laughs> and so... Why did you decide to go into street food then? Had you been kind of fans of different street foods in the past? And how did that, how did that come about? I think it seemed like when you kind of thinking about how you kind of launch something, um, street food seemed like a really accessible way to start this. Street food is great for kind of getting the buzz out there, for getting awareness and for having a local way to sort of start to trial your food and tweak, tweak your offering. And, you know, from our first market, probably two, three months down the line, when you would have had it at the curb event, we'd even changed so much of a process. We'd changed our builds. I think the first market we did, we'd even do the wings. You know, yeah. there was that full, real, like, strong learning curve over those first couple of months in street food. And someone's really supportive, like curb, really allows you to, to do that. And and so had either of you come from a food background, hospitality background, what were you doing before you set up Biff's? Immediately before, uh, I was doing a bit of freelancing, but before that, I was working for Groupon, which is where we met at Groupon. And I was there from 2010 when it first started in the UK. And uh, we grew, I grew from being part of a small sort of content team to, to managing um, three, three or four different departments across seven countries and managing about 120 odd people at one point. Design, content, a little bit of contractual stuff um, uh, uh, and um, a little bit of email marketing and, and, and that's what Krista was, was really good at. So, but that was my immediate past. Um, in terms of hospitality and catering, I... Actually, one of my first jobs was at McDonald's, which I know is not um, a vegan's choice of job. I mean, we don't agree with their ethics, but they have great training for young people. Like I do, I have to admit that. And, and I learned everything I know about hygiene and, and, and 
um, operations when it comes to making large um, large volumes of, of food. I, you know, I've learned a lot of that from McDonald's and also my absolute obsessive love of burgers and how to build them and how to make them and how you enjoy them. That came from McDonald's. And so that's, that's kind of what set me on the path. And then after that, I, I used to manage pubs and pub kitchens and did a little bit of kitchen work, but always kind of kept it in the background doing supper clubs and cooking a lot at home. So hospitality is definitely probably my background. Chris is slightly different. Yeah, um, I come from really a marketing background. Um, it's what I've been doing for about nine, ten years now, almost a decade. Um, yeah, Biff and I met at Groupon, um, which is a really kind of fast-paced startup culture. I then went and I've worked across a couple of different industries and then even spent like five years working in finance, which was uh, very different, um, but also was actually turned out to be a really fortunate thing when we started the business because we kind of made an agreement like, okay how do we do this the kind of decision that we made was that I was we worked out okay if we, if we kind of hunker down a bit we can live off my wage and then Biff can kind of have um, the freedom for the first couple of months just to not take any salary out of the business and he can start really putting money into the business and helping that grow as quickly as possible so my corporate finance career as well as teaching me a lot of stuff about marketing um actually kind of sort of funded a bit of the early stage of the business as well so so many founders have a finance background that's <laughs> what i'm discovering doing this um doing this podcast and i, I think it makes total sense actually because good finance is a core to any business so so you start with the the street food and uh, curb and the thing what really caught my eye was the branding so how did you come up with the concept for the brand of Biff's? Why did Biff get to call it after himself? And I'd yeah. you know, <laughs> love to know more about the branding process. I think it all starts with the clues in the name, right? Um, I probably should admit that my real name isn't Biff, right? But it, it has been Biff since. I can see it on this chat, it's Chris, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but I've been called Biff since I was very, very young. Um, and you might see it there, it says Biff, it's a present from my brother, um, who nicknamed me Biff when I was very young. Um, and I've always had, uh, I've always loved that sort of like, and been based in that 80s, 90s culture. It's kind of where I grew up as a, as a kid, loving things like Back to the Future and Star Wars and, and you know, a lot of that musical and, 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 and visual uh, culture and, and it didn't start as Biff straight away we had like a big spreadsheet and we <laughs> got asked our friends to vote um all, all sorts we, we had many different um but we wanted to, to to call it something that was slightly on the American diner style like we wanted it to be a little bit darker not quite Miami more New York and and we were looking at a lot of that synth wave synth stuff that was going on at the time in terms of branding and the whole back to the future biff and it just really it really it really fit like it really did fit and i think if you're called biff then it's so memorable it, it was you sort of went through all these other names and we were just like just people don't forget that um <laughs> i do then uh kind of say sometimes when i'm like well no you're the face of it so i can kind of <laughs> um why is it not Krista as well but my name is not half as memorable um yeah it probably opened a lot of doors just being called biff like people are like oh is that your real name yeah it is <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and i think the other thing as well was the we wanted to really differentiate the brand i think so much particularly even it, it's starting to change more now but i think particularly even three four years ago um 
perception of vegan food was very much it was green right it was it was everything was kind of green in these sort of muted tones and um really aligned with health and um you know there's obviously really good things there and that's good for some people but for what we want to do quite an indulgent product we really want to stand out and i think if again we always think that we're sort of positioning ourselves not specifically at vegans like we think of you know you've got to be honest that your biggest market is not vegans and um, so you've got to find ways of attracting them and, and standing out and if you know if you were in a street food uh, and there was like 10 stalls and maybe someone who wasn't really that interested in eating vegan food sort of bright green stall and was like mm, no but you know just having that branding allowed people to come up to us allowed people to kind of explore and be like what's this and and it's all about we've always been about sort of being on the same level as meat brands so we didn't want to look overtly vegan in our branding so that was a really big choice yeah i think that really stood out from a very early stage i think you were attracting people who weren't um just vegans and uh, it's good to move away from the green i think i think that's a a strong a strong move for vegan brands <laughs> and then so you moved into box park so for anyone listening box park is a kind of market i guess um made in shipping containers where there's lots of different food brands and that was really successful so what did you learn from moving in from kind of street food stores into running what is essentially a small restaurant at box park what kind of things did you have to learn as founders we did a bit of a stepping stone in that we went from street food into a few uh, pop-ups and um, we did one at Camden Town Brewery, Kentish Town and then um, our most successful and long-term was at a, a vegan bar restaurant called The Haunt in Stokey which is no longer with us but um, we, you know changing our operation to work in more of a kitchen-ish led environment with a seven-day you know service that sort of thing and a few more staff so you learn a lot about the supply chain, about, you know, you have to convert everything you have to, to deliveries. There's no point in driving around and, and dropping stuff off everywhere. It's just a complete waste of your time. You know, you have to really be super efficient and and learn that it has to run itself. So that was the first learning. But moving into Box Park was actually, it was one step further because it was ours. So we had to we had to fit it out. It was just a, a shell. Um you know, and that for me, that was really actually really exciting. I'd geek out about things like the amount of time I spent on spreadsheets and on wireframes. Like I actually mapped out the wireframe um, uh, to scale and all of the um, benches and fridges and freezers and everything that I wanted to put in the container to scale and thought about how people would move around the, the, the like how the food would flow from the back to the front where people would stand in order that we could make as much food in as little space as possible so it was actually a little bit of like like tech involved in like very geeky yeah and that's the mcdonald's thing like that's what they did if anyone here has ever seen the the film the founder which is about the franchise mcdonald's that's what they did they they mapped it out on the floor had people stand and move and see where the best place was for the food to go and i did exactly the same with this with the shipping container because you you don't get a lot of room so (laughs) certainly learned a lot about that and then um i guess we had to work on the branding and and that that is exactly what crystal was saying about making it different making it quite you know stand out i guess and and you attracted non-vegan customers but did you find they were your your core customers don't know about core customers. They certainly made up a large part of it because the thing about Box Park is, if, if anyone doesn't know, is it, it does attract a lot of foot traffic. It's quite a big lunch trade, quite a big post-work drinks trade. So, and it's it's not necessarily vegan at all. Um, lots of very meaty places and some very vegany places. So 
we just needed a way of people to notice our container over others and and you know i think one of the things i did was i bought a 1982 bmx rally burner um in uh in like in turquoise with all the original fittings from ebay and i put it on the ceiling and turned it into a light fitting so when you walk in you're you there's a there's a, you know a 1980s rally burner above you uh, and the other thing i did was i built the front counter out of old crt tvs so, never seen it yeah very cool <laughs> yeah i had to get 14 no nine 14 inch crt tvs from which i begged borrowed stole and ebay from the home counties of england <laughs> apart from the amount of time it took me to drive to hertfordshire to this small town to pick up a 14 inch oh, tv you should have asked Maybe. me i've got about three in my mum's loft <laughs> <laughs> exactly so i built it and actually incidentally the, the most expensive thing in the whole of the container was the video processing switching unit that controlled the nine tvs which took one screen from a dvd and expanded it across nine so what you can't see is behind the counter there's i'd say about 73 wires <laughs> and a, a complex uh, video production processing system which actually made it work and that was more expensive than any of it yeah, I have. <laughs> it looked incredible though and it really it really drew you in it was amazing what you did in such a small space for me it actually reminded me very much of that 90s um vibe i went to uh I think it was a Nevermind 25 for Nirvana um, exhibition they had on Brick Lane. And they also had the TV set up like that with different videos, but it immediately reminded me of that kind of sort of grunge vintage kind of era you guys um, sort of evoking with your brand. So it was very cool. And so, so that experience of BoxBot was a, a big success for you guys. How long were you there for? 18 months? We were there for a year, a year exactly, yeah. pretty much a year to the to the day, pretty much. We were one week shy of the year. And it, yeah, it was really, really good for us. I mean, and then well, you had to move into food service, really, and you moved off. So you opened up another, a couple other restaurant locations, I guess. Um, they were more kind of set up for Deliveroo, um, the kind of uh, the one in Walthamstow where we both both live and you started looking into food service so can you talk about why you decided to start focusing your business on uh, food services i think um we have always believed that you know we kind of see um our food as our activism like we we really kind of believe that that's um it's we really wanted to get this out as there as, as much as possible to get it to as many people as possible as many non-vegans as possible because we think that is the best way of um you know um, attracting people to go vegan or to go plant-based or to make better choices um, and to, to build a, a large-scale restaurant business across the country that does that is you need a huge amount of money like a huge amount of money um, and it just didn't seem like the best way for us to kind of keep continue to expand the brand and you know we love our restaurant sites and we will always have restaurant sites but to get to as many people as possible we realized a we had an amazing product and a product that really no one else was doing and we wanted to get it out there so um at that point um probably around the time when we opened box park we started working through on a sort of third director into the company um uh andy who uh has a kind of more product food product based background um he was kind of a mutual friend of ours he'd been working on other food businesses he'd kind of come into a point where he had some time and he wanted to focus on plant-based businesses and so 
we kind of started talking and sort of relationship evolved and then he came on board as director and that was I think that kind of really big stepping stone and then he kind of had that background in product to help us kind of take that to the next stage. Yeah, he'd taken a couple of products to market through future brands at Stainsbury's um, and been on Dragon's Den as well and got investment. So he was very instrumental in, in helping us to um, to do that. So, yeah, it was a real key key turning point. Um, I, I, the point that Chris was making, I think, can be summed up in a, in a, in a small sentence, and, that, and that's to make real change, you need real volume. And the only way we were going to get real volume to make real change in, in terms of plant-based diet was through food service and and then hopefully retail but yeah and and so that's an interesting point so you brought um and andy into the business how did you find that as founders this is your baby something you've created that process of saying we're going to let someone else have significant control of our company mm. how did you find that as like you know letting go of that well we're lucky in one way and that is that andy was a friend before yeah. And, and, and that's obviously very different from, you know, advertising and interviewing or, or, or meeting someone in, in the business circuit. So it's someone that we trust. We trusted before um, we brought him on. But that, you know, it, just because he, is, he was a friend, is a friend, that doesn't mean that we would just automatically say, oh, fine, yeah, come have, have, a, have a, be a director. So, no, I think it's important that you understand that when you are getting into bed with people, even if they are your friends, they've got to share your interests, they've got to share your wants, they've got to share your passion, and they've got to be bringing something different to the party. And that's what Andy really brought. Like we have different skill sets as it is, but he has a third different skill set. And so it was really a perfect storm of, of him having some just becoming free from his previous um, uh, 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 sort of endeavors and wanting to do more plant-based and us, you know, having a good chat about what, the way we wanted to take the company and him agreeing and that he could help us with that. It was just a perfect storm, really. And it didn't happen overnight. It was a long, it was, you know, it was a process of, I think it kind of started off like when Andy was, Andy was still working his previous business and he'd be driving around and Biff would be driving around and they'd just be chatting to each other on the phone while they were driving, <laughs> like Biff would be driving to markets or driving down to yeah. right in for markets where we used to do. Um, and, and it just kind of built over time. So it, I, I think it would be an interesting, very different scenario if you were literally advertising and bringing someone in from scratch. But um, and, yeah. and so Andy was a commercial director for you guys. And so that, that was an interesting move to bring someone purely focused on you know growth I guess and fundraising and so so what did he set about bringing to your business? Certainly experienced with invest investors investment as he he's um, done a bit of that before secondly experience with production large-scale production um, of, of food items which he'd done before and thirdly some great contacts in both the, the pub and food service scene and, and also in the retail scene so that's that's pretty good tenets really yeah. to bring yeah amazing and, and and so you guys recently started working with brewdog mm -hmm. i think everyone listening to the podcast will know about brewdog how how did that come about and how have you found that process um so we actually we'd sort of started supplying um our patties and wings actually before we'd even got the full business um off the ground uh, we were supplying our um, burger patties to All Star Lanes. Um, they're, they're on the menu now still. Um, and All Star Lanes, if anyone doesn't know, are a bowling place. They have five um, sites, four in London and one in Manchester. Mm -hmm. And um, their head of food went to work at Brewdog. 
Bruno had opened a bar in Dalston. Um, it was actually literally a year ago this week. This week, um, yeah. And I think they were looking for something within that to kind of differentiate the bar a bit more and do something a bit different. Uh, Chad, the head of feed at Brewdog, got in touch with us and was like, is this something you'd be interested in collaborating with us on? And it kind of just grew from there. Um, yeah, it's, it's a joint venture. Um, he, he's, he essentially said, we probably should have opened it as a vegan branch. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, we don't think we have a strong enough food offer on our own to do that. And we think you'd be a great partner to help relaunch it. So we said, brilliant, we're absolutely up for that. But you have to make the whole place vegan. It's not just a food. So the beer you know for coffee and milk etc blah blah and they were like brilliant yeah we'll do it we'll turn the whole site vegan and, and and that was just a really great response from 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 such a big company to go yeah we'll 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 go along the ride with you so yeah it was it was they've been they've been really good brewdog are a, an odd company and by odd i mean they are huge right they're a behemoth but they still act like a startup in many ways and that has it's that's really good in, in a lot of ways because it means you can make a suggestion of something cool, something fun to do. And they're, they're, sometimes they're like, yeah, just, just do it. We'll support you. And that's really good. But another other things, you're trying to like, uh, you know, get something ordered up for delivery. And there's, you know, some bureaucracy you have to go through, like with any big company. So, it, you know, it's, that's normal. But to have them support us in ways where they can actually go, yeah, brilliant. Try something new. It's, it's really good. So, You've done some fundraising for the business recently. And you're moving in, I guess, to the next kind of phase. What? What do you hope and expect to achieve with Biff's in the next 12 months? Well, um, it's, it's kind of, <laughs> um, obviously everything happening at the moment just sort of does make you question that slightly. But I think, you know, we of course, yeah. are um, now listed with, you know, some of the biggest distributors in the, in the country for our food service um, products, um, which is amazing. So there is definitely a focus on that kind of growing that side of things. We want to be on menus as a branded menus item. So we're working very closely with the people who are taking the product to make that experience as best as possible. And we're continuing to look at ways of how we can evolve that experience and make that even better and how we can help. Because I think a lot of it as well is actually what Biff ends up spending quite a lot of his time doing now is, you know, educating chefs and and helping them because again, we're selling into non-vegan places. So um how do we help the chef get the best experience possible, the best out of the product? Um, so there's definitely going to be growth there. Um, it would be remiss to say that we would not, that we are looking at kind of expanding into supermarkets. There's no kind of concrete on that yet that we could talk about. But um, it's, you know, that's obviously, I think for anyone that's got a product, that's going to be an ultimate aim. And then I think with, when it comes to the restaurant side of things, we're obviously continuing to grow this delivery project. And I think we'll see that as probably our focus, probably more than having, I wouldn't say definitely no to more bricks and mortar restaurants, but I think delivery sort of seems to suit because it works quite well within this hybrid of being a pro, of having that product experience and that restaurant experience. And those things work quite well together. So I think that's definitely something we're going to continue to expand and hopefully get that across the country. It's a rapidly evolving business model, yes. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, we definitely have our fingers in a lot of pies um, at the moment, but um, I think... Yeah, some pies are going on hold for a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, they're, they're, you know, I think uh, the, the landscape is, is changing. The landscape is changing, and unfortunately, it, it has to be said that we're going to lose we're going to lose businesses because of this um, because of the situation that we're in, and we just want to 
support our staff as much as possible because we've got great staff. We want to try and keep as many of them, if not all of them, on and in work as possible by moving and evolving and then expanding. And hopefully we're, you know, we've got a good plan in place, getting ourselves out there as much as possible and then trying to create jobs, trying to create opportunities, trying to create even more change. And then there is something actually to be said about potentially people might be looking at their diet and what they eat a little bit more in, in the near future. Um, that would be very sensible. <laughs> you know, we want to be in a position to support that. So, yeah. yeah. Good luck with it, guys. I think um, you've done so much already, and I think you're going to continue to evolve and uh, really like keep, keep smashing it. So I, th- I think um, you've got the right attitude and very, very, very adaptive to um, the situation that is unfolding before us. So... Cool. So like we ask these standard interview questions every time, myself, Louis and Judy. So I'm going to fire away through them. And uh, yeah. So the first one is, why do you get up in the morning? Uh, <laughs> Probably because Biff makes me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm an early bird. I'm not. Christa is a night owl. Judy's the same. Night owl. <laughs> night owl, early bird. I like getting up to go to the gym or go for a cycle or a run in the morning really really enjoy that because um it starts my day off in a super positive way um and and gets the blood blood flowing um i cycle wherever i can when i feel i feel like when i get up early and do something active and then i look at my to-do list or i write my to-do list i feel much more in a positive frame of mind to to get that to-do list done um and my to-do list is never ending as as most entrepreneurs are so you've got you can't be scared of it you've got you've, you've just got to do that and then coffee comes and Christy gets up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we should do a whole a whole series on um founders and a couple. Yeah. Being in containment. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So what problem are you trying to solve with Biff's Jack Shack? To make real change, we need real volume. And that and that is a problem with we're um, we, we're, we're definitely trying to um, change or trying to go to the other two are more based in in our in our food and, our, and, our, and the way we run our business and one is to be the most inclusive plant-based brand and what we mean by that is we we, we aren't dismissive of people um, we, we we accept anyone who wants to try our food and, and then that that our food is our activism and we can change through food so so I think that's probably yeah, we want to be as accessible as possible and um, as easy as possible for people. And you know, it's all about the easier you make it for people to make different choices, then the better it is. So that that definitely is is I think something we we're helping to solve and, and still making it taste as good. That's I think the other thing. Like no compromise. Yeah, no compromising. That's, <laughs> that's, compromise. that's actually probably the biggest thing of all. Like I think the biggest problem, which is yeah, was when we started, that there wasn't enough that tasted good enough, and I guess that's probably the ultimate thing then. What would you say, what resources had the biggest impact on your business? For me, it would be my previous um, hospitality experience. And I, I cite McDonald's in, in that. And I've always been a, a people manager. That's been one of my main things. So like building ops and people in a way that you can expand and not compromise on quality and that sort of thing. So I think I've, yeah, I found that that's, that's, the biggest resource I've, I've drawn on is that I don't know about you I think the like I guess kind of 
people would maybe be aware of putting it, but this idea of being able to let go. Um, and, and that's the only way you can grow. And, you know, so when we said, okay, when we started, the first time we did a market, Biff and I were doing making, hand making the patties in our kitchen. Then we had like a central prep kitchen and we were doing that. And then we went actually to grow this even further. We need to bring in more experts and we can't do this ourselves. So that's when we decided, okay, we're going straight to source and VNR and we're going to, which is where the jackfruit is coming from and we'll bring it through there. So I would say definitely the addition of the right people or processes to take things off your plate. So that's the only way you can grow. What are the top three books or podcasts you recommend to entrepreneurs? There's one I really like at the moment, a podcast mm. called The Strategy Hour, um, which is, I'm kind of quite interested in always finding um, pod, like business-related podcasts that are female-led because I feel like it's quite a bro world still. Um, and I really like that it's two American girls and they are mostly focusing about kind of digital online businesses but it, there's a lot that you can learn from them and they're just really chatty and so i definitely recommend that if if you're a female founder and looking for relatable content <laughs> sounds good we need to get judy on more of these podcasts she is going to do more i, I do agree though it is a bit bro isn't it all the mm. um for me um uh, it's actually a book that chris bought me for christmas and i'm listening to the audio book and dipping in and it's called the messy middle and it's um, written by the guy who founded Behance, the uh, creative network, which uh, ultimately got sold into um, Adobe. And then he became Adobe's product manager. And it's about that period that nobody really talks about in startups, where it's really hard and a lot happens, but also nothing happens. And it's the bit I think that we're in right now, which is so testing. It's not like, oh, we've started and it was, we grew really quickly and it was all like, we designed this and stuff. And then there's the bit where you might have an exit and sell, or you might be super uh, successful and, and have large ranges, but there's a bit in the middle, which nobody really talks about. And it's, it is the bit where you probably work the hardest. I'm definitely going to check that one out. That sounds great. So what do you know now that you wish you knew when you started Biffs? I would say from a street food perspective is buy the biggest van you can. <laughs> because if you just think you're going to buy a van to fit everything in that you've got now, you will have more stuff at a later date. So don't, don't skimp on the size of your van. <laughs> Um, so lastly, what do you guys do to keep yourself sane? <laughs> it's okay to not be sane as well. <laughs> it's, it's super, I've actually, like, it's been quite an interesting um, thing for me, especially because I was still working. And so it's definitely been a bit of adjustment, that kind of us being together, like, full time. Um, even though we weirdly met and we were working together quite closely for two years when we met, like, years and years ago. Um, so <laughs> it's definitely been, like, I think definitely exercise is really key, yeah. really, really key. Really and key. Um, I think it's really good to have people um, who are going through a similar experience to you. And I think it's finding that right balance between, you know, because sometimes I can go to our friends and my friends are all going to be like, oh my God, this is so great. Tell us all about the great things you're going. Actually, you just want to like moan because something's <laughs> terrible or something's gone wrong. So it's really find the right balance of like friends within who are doing this and then friends with that because there are sometimes you just want to go and have a beer and there are sometimes when you just need to kind of then and have someone that understands. Great. It's been, it's been great to do this podcast. So if, if anyone's listening and they want to get in touch with you, where can they do that? Um, probably best thing is to go via Instagram. That's probably where the place we're most active. Um, so if um, if you just want to kind of get 
come talk about general stuff. Um, otherwise, um, pop to our website if you're, you know, for more kind of business stuff there. And we have all the information about our product side as well. So I should say Instagram, we changed from at Biff's Jack Shack to at Biff's underscore UK. Mm-hmm. So you can find us at Biff's underscore UK. You can email me at Biff at Biffskitchen.com, Krista at Krista at Biffskitchen.com, or a catch-all one is just info at Biffskitchen.com. Great. Well, look, guys, I really enjoyed doing this podcast for you, and I'm, you should be so proud of everything you've achieved. You've really been at the forefront of uh, driving move forward in the UK, and uh, I think... Um, exciting times ahead despite the challenges we face so look brilliant to talk to you about this and um happy to have you on the show again soon great yeah thanks a lot and keep doing what you're doing because you're giving people a really fantastic platform to to, to learn and to discover and and we people are going to need that right now so you, you what you do is really important so thanks a lot thanks guys thank you for having us That was a slightly weird time to record a podcast, but it felt like we needed to do it in light of the coronavirus. And, you know, we've got to support each other and we've got to keep talking and we've got to keep sharing ideas and we've got to keep positive and we've got to adapt and we've got to evolve and together I know we can get through this. So with that in mind, I just want to quickly talk about our first virtual plant-based business summit. Here at Fevolution, we're having to adapt our plans and that means taking our events online and virtual for the foreseeable future. So the first global plant-based business summit will bring together the world's leading plant-based entrepreneurs and investors and we're really excited about this as we see this as a big opportunity to reach more people around the globe with inspiring content that will help them to create plant-based businesses that can grow and thrive so you can now pre-register for the summit over at feevolution.co slash plant-based business summit and yeah go and pre-register and we'll be telling you lots more about it in the coming weeks so thanks for listening thanks to biff and krista for taking part And stay positive, guys. We're really supporting you and um, we're just wishing you all the best. Okay, bye.